0: This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, BeGambleAware.org.
1: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that
0: it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your
1: out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Chalaba here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Hello, Chelsea supporters. Here at the Blue Day podcast, I am proud to welcome our guest on the show today. He is the current captain of Chelsea Football Club's amputee team, and he is one person who's got a story to tell. Here is Mark Smith. Mark, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you this evening?
0: Oh, really good, mate. Thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, before we start obviously talking about yourself and talking about the amputee team. We'll sort of just want to get it out of the way. We'd like to say you are a Chelsea fan, so this will make this interview a little bit easier. So later on the show, we will talk about the current state and shambles of uh, Chelsea Football Club. But just to kick off the, um, the show, what are your earliest memories of supporting Chelsea? When was your first game that you went to?
0: I was thinking about this earlier, actually. It was either Northampton away in a pre-season friendly um, when Viali had just come in uh, uh, or Gillingham at home in the FA Cup when John Terry made his debut in a 5-0 win. So, All right, yep. It, it That's was around... right. I think,
1: yeah, Terry scored his first goal for us in that game. It was a corner and he headed it in, in the Matthew Arden end. I remember that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember being, I was in the west, the west lower, because that's all of. That the they were obviously like rebuilding it, but there was a lower tier that had been built, so we were all uncovered. So, yeah, yeah. That's I was thinking about it earlier. I think it would be one of them first two games. There was still like a little bit of magic. Obviously, you had your your Zolas, and I always had a soft spot for players like Dennis Wise. Um, so probably the only person whose sort of game I can emulate a little bit so <laughs> I haven't got it in the locker to to play like ones like Zola so um yeah I always sort of looked up to to players like sort of Dennis Wise and ones like that so but yeah yeah still was it was wise alright. that
1: was your favorite chelsea player as a youngster I,
0: I would say so yeah. yeah 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 just just the way that he plays and the way that he conducts himself and and the way he put himself around the pitch I think that's more. I sort of see a little bit of myself in that. That that's probably more all I'm all I'm sort of capable of. <laughs> and
1: it was that obviously that era we're going towards the two thousands. It was that magical time being a Chelsea supporter when you you, you we won the FA Cup in ninety seven. We won the League Cup and Cup Winners Cup in ninety eight. We managed to beat the mighty Real Madrid to win another trophy, and then. Viali wins us the FA Cup in 2000 with Di Matteo scoring. That period of Chelsea was a fantastic time to be part of.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, they talk now about sort of ones like Pep sort of changing football over here, but I think sort of Hullet and Viali Hullet with his sort of sexy football. And I think that was a big turning point for the Premier League and not just Chelsea.
1: Yes, absolutely. And when you look at, when the, what Viali brought in, I mean, we did a tribute episode a few weeks ago about Gianluca Vialli and the sort of bits moments that were part of that era still stand to Chelsea today and stand and stood Chelsea in good stead even when Roman's money came through. So, yeah, as you say, certain managers build a lasting legacy at certain clubs, most definitely, yeah. but. In regards to yourself, Mark, now I did my research on you during the week and I was fascinated with everything I found. I just want to sort of just touch on, for those of of our listeners that may not be aware of who you are, you served the country in the 1st Battalion Grenadier Guards. Am I correct? Yeah, Superb. And that's a a great start. And you've obviously had travelled many different countries around the world, you know, fighting for your country. And then when it came to the point where your life changed dramatically forever and you was doing other bits, you decided to become a professional bodybuilder. You won competitions in the disabled bodybuilding championships. You became a champion in the disabled strongman competitions. And then in your you, later days you decided to become a footballer and you won championships in that field you won i believe you won the national league you won the f a disability cup and the championship title yeah yeah. yeah. Christ, what a life journey <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. it's funny how uh, the different paths that you end up on um yeah not not quite how i sort of saw my life panning out and yeah to be fair obviously i um, I didn't expect to have those sort of ventures, but I love a challenge, and I think a large part of obviously when you when you lose a limb and stuff like, you get a lot of a lot of the feedback is you won't be able to do this, you won't be able to do that. So my men, my mindset from early on was uh, quite a stubborn one, I suppose. So the bigger the challenge, the more I wanted to do it. Um, but throughout that, I always missed football. I think. I sort of fell out of love with football for a little while after losing a limb because it's still fresh in your memory of I, I played in my regiment right up until I lost my leg and um, so it's still fresh in your mind of playing able-bodied mainstream football. So I've, I tried within sort of six months of losing the leg and it just yeah like it was it was gutting. Whereas obviously the, the bodybuilding and strongman I'd never done as an able bodied person. So I had no recollection of any of that. But obviously the longer time goes on and the more you accept that's how you are now and I always knew at some point I'd come back to football but never quite expected to be where I am now. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it's it's obviously sort of opportunities like I've got now to represent the club where you actually look and you go, Do you know what? Um I'm almost glad that day happened to me because that look at the doors that it opened up for me and the things I get to do now. And yeah, whereas obviously largely when, when you're a serving soldier, you're, you're a number in many ways, obviously you're replaceable. And, but to sort of do the things I'm doing now and the things that I've done over the last few years, hopefully they're things my children can be sort of proud of for years to come.
1: I was going to sort of say to touch on that when you was, serving our country when you was part of the grenadier guards did you sort of have like a backup plan you know when you just if you felt that you wanted to change careers or if you felt you know once you decided to retire from the from the grenadier Guards, did you have like a backup plan like football or any other sport that you wanted to get involved in
0: uh not really obviously i grew up the same as most boys sort of dreaming of being a professional footballer and then when you get to 13 14 and you realize that's probably not going to happen I knew I wanted to have some sort of active physical career uh and that's when the army sort of became more and more appealing and um so from that moment on I just all I had in my mind was being a sort of soldier so and then obviously I, I was sort of loving my career, loving being around the sort of blokes, getting to sort of travel the world and, and do the things I was doing. Um, so I was happy in that career. It suited me and it's, I don't like being sort of sat at a desk and stuff. So I i liked that sort of, that lifestyle. Um, so I was very much going to be a, a 22 year career man. So, but yeah, on the other, on the flip side of that, i didn't really have a backup plan if things right. changed
1: <laughs> and then when you obviously with what happened to you and you know you lost a leg i believe you lo- you did lose an arm as well am i right in saying
0: uh i i almost did i i've lost all the front of my shoulder um right. so yeah the, the one of the one of the bullets sort of went through my through the top of my arm in, through my shoulder um but at the time they were concerned that it had Caught the nerve, and I would have lost right. the use of the arm. But yeah, that that I was very lucky to have kept.
1: I was going to sort of say, you know, we'll, we'll sort of touch on you know anybody that's listening to this that is uh, amputee as well. How significant was it for you to bounce back from that, having the support of family and friends? And in in your opinion, how important is it to have that support with you? To guide you through the dark times back into better times
0: yeah uh, honestly from from day one um yeah my wife was sort of flown out to be sort of by my bedside and then when I was flown back to England um we'd had our our first sort of son together and he was only a few months old so he was uh he was up at the hospital every day and you know there's all the sort of motivation you need to not feel sorry for yourself but a big part of sort of just adopting like a positive attitude from early on. One, I know I should have died that day and I didn't because of the sort of men that were with me that day. So I was grateful on that, that I'm here and I shouldn't be. And then on the on the other side of that, once you've flown back to England and you're on the military ward, all of the lads that were being flown back from Afghan, uh, the, the lads I was in a room with were missing two or three limbs or their genitals or their sight or... So you look and you go, mine's a a flesh wound in comparison and it helps you put things in perspective and go, do you know what? I've got absolutely nothing to lay here and complain about. Um, The lad opposite me in hospital, he was a Royal Marine and he was a triple amputee, lost lost his arm, both his legs, Uh, the remaining arm was broken and within a week of being blown up, he's up and about in a motorised wheelchair, going down to the hospital restaurant and and he was always my, like, wow. Um, and because we were all squaddies, you know, there is no um, sort of sentiment. It's It was just sort of – I spent nine weeks in hospital and it was nine weeks of taking the piss out of each other. So you <laughs> – and that that carries on. And, and you, in many ways, like, I actually look at the time in hospital fondly because it, it was similar to being in the barracks. So it just – It just gives you that sort of robustness. And then when you get onto rehabilitation, onto prosthetics and so on, you're already in a better place. Everything became short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, but everything was progress. And you've got those lads around you as well that you're watching them progress. So you're all pushing each other on without even saying a word, really.
1: Brilliant. And I was going to say that camaraderie that you had, that must have put you into good stead when you decided to go into football. You know, having those experiences and having not just experiences of being part of a team, but being a leader and having them sort of life experiences to help younger people get through as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I do think, obviously, although I went into the, the bodybuilding and strongman, they, they were different experiences and enjoyable in their own right. But I always, one of the things I loved about the army and, and I grew up playing football from a young age, always loved being part of a team, you know, in the changing rooms before the game and the social side of it and, and the, the the piss taking and stuff like that's what I missed. And you never really got that with Strongman because you're there as an individual. Uh, so you're competing with everybody that's there. Um, But yeah, I, I love now obviously being one of the sort of the older lads and having been... uh a lance sergeant sort of in the regiment you i had experience of sort of leading younger blokes and that sort of transitioned itself quite well into football and now like i get a lot of satisfaction out of trying to help those young lads not not necessarily as players but as people um trying to build up their sort of self confidence and stuff and because i'm um i'm very vocal on a football pitch and i think that's something younger lads maybe haven't got as much um so you know if if they see me sort of setting that 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 sort of bar and that standard in terms of being vocal and communicating and encouraging their traits that hopefully will rub off on them as they as they get older and carry on playing
1: absolutely and i believe you started off your footballing career after doing the bodybuilding at and the disabled strongman, you decided to go to Peterborough United. How how did that come about, that particular sort of go, going into that venture? Because obviously it's a little bit different from being, as you say, sort of winning individual championships to then deciding or looking to pursue a footballing career.
0: Um, I think inevitably with most veterans, at some point, it all catches up with you and everybody sort of has a bit of a low a low point. Um, for all of the sort of positive experiences I've had. um, The one sort of big negative I had was the two weeks after winning my first Britain's Strongest Disabled Man, uh, a lad I served with who saved my life or was one of the lads to have kept me alive, um, took his own. And sort of over the next couple of years in Strongman, I I thought I'm just going to sort of use that in a, in a positive way throw myself wholeheartedly into competitions and sort of try and try and do his memory sort of proud but ultimately I was just sort of papering over the cracks and then by sort of 2018 it really just caught up with me um and uh I'd, I'd sort of reached a point where I was probably in a similar headspace to how he was before that happened um and i I sort of started counseling and and things like that and the one thing that came up at that at that time was how much i missed being around people and how much i missed football and being part of a team and that camaraderie and it was quite evident then that i need to get myself away from my own headspace because things like strongman you spend a lot of time in your own company which evidently wasn't wasn't helpful um and that's, that's how football came about really was um, I needed to be back around people and um, football was the one thing where it just kept coming up in counselling sessions of I really miss that environment. Um, and then, yeah, I just started looking into it online. Um, and at the time in amputee football, there was only eight teams across the whole country. Um, and it just so happened that sort of, um it was it was peterborough arsenal so i contacted peterborough um (laughs) and yeah i uh i got in touch with them and and they invited me to come and watch a game uh they were playing arsenal away invited me to come and watch and um i I actually ended up playing uh so they had a they had an injury (laughs) and so i was thrown literally I'd, i'd gone to sort of get a bit of an insight into the sport and ended up playing um Wow, I was still very much built like a strong man, so um, it was a it was a hard day. So, <laughs> but maybe it was the it was the wake up call that I needed. But that's where everything started to pick up again because, um, although it was a it was a hard day, it was I had everything I missed. We was all in a changing room together, and just I was on a football pitch again, albeit slightly different. And then you are like. Then, other positive things start to fall into place, and it sort of spirals from there and so I owe a lot to I owe a lot to football really
1: and that set you on your way when it came to deciding what you wanted to do next, and then you was part of that Peterborough team that, as I said won the championships and they won league titles you know emotionally and mentally, this must have really helped you so much bearing in mind the setbacks and how you felt beforehand must have really helped you feel that this is where you belong now.
0: Yeah, and I think it gives you a different perspective. Like a lot of, I would say 90% of the amputee footballers in the league as a whole are lads that had cancer as children. So they've had bone cancer, so they've lost a leg through that. Um, And so, you know, you look at your own children and things like that, and it just just puts it all in sort of, actually, I'm all right. And um, yeah, just that, again, their senses of humours and and I was in awe of them. Some of the things that they could do with a football and a set of crutches. And I think the biggest thing I took away, we went on a tournament in uh, Germany and we'd, we'd go to breakfast and some of the lads were missing... The whole of their leg so they had no choice they they couldn't wear a prosthetic leg whereas I was still very dependent on mine and they'd go to breakfast on their crutches you'd offer to help carry their plate or their cup for them They're like no no I can do it and you watch a bloke not spill an ounce of his tea not drop any of his cooked breakfast and it's like wow like I want to practice that and because I think as a strong man as a bodybuilder going through Headley Court and doing my sort of military rehabilitation the mindset is i've got a prosthetic leg there i have to wear it i have to wear it regardless of how much pain you're in and so on and being around these lads it was actually it's all right to just get around on crutches um and you just even though some of these lads are like 15 20 years younger than me you can still learn from them and i was just watching them on the pitch and off the pitch in awe of them and going i want to do that um yeah and it just i like i quite like learning new skills um so yeah watching them carry a plate and a cup you like right, right that's what i'm going to do um yeah as well as obviously losing the strongman weight that i was carrying and yeah just you're just surrounded by like positivity and that that really helped
1: fantastic brilliant and so sort of going on from there was this last year 2022 you left peterborough to then join your boyhood club in chelsea what stories have you got with that sort of decision and with chelsea deciding to pretty much create an amputee team to compete in in the leagues was you part of the overall process when chelsea decided to create the team or was you part of sort of the decision making when it came to which players they wanted to join the side?
0: Uh, so basically, um, last season with Peter reunited, uh, the manager, who was a policeman. So he had to step down for work purposes and I'd already done a couple of coaching badges and it was, we want you to take it over. Um, and I, I sort of said, I, I want to continue playing. I'll do it as long as I can play and coach. Um, so I, I got to lead the team last season with with Peter United, and we we started to look at other clubs, um, particularly sort of at the time we had Manchester City involved, Newcastle United, Everton, and you look at what their foundations and their trusts are able to offer their their players, the facilities, the the training gear, the the training sessions. Everything was like, wow. Um, and and at peterborough we understood that the club didn't have the same sort of financial backing to be able to offer us those things so as a squad pretty much a year ago now uh we all had a meeting together of um would would we be able to keep this squad together if we looked elsewhere to be able to take that next step in the sport and everyone was in agreement that we would all stick together as a squad um and we would look taking that next step so I sent out around about 30 emails to all all different sort of clubs down south Charlton's West Ham's and I said to my wife was like I'm gonna send one to Chelsea I was like just just out of hope and uh I never really sort of expected a response and then I was actually I was on my way to Chelsea Liverpool last season and uh in the cab from Euston and my phone rings and it's, um, the head of the Chelsea foundation. And he's like, I've just read your email, mate. Like we're really interested in, in setting up the amputee team. Um, you know, are you sort of free to chat? And I was like, I'm actually on my way to the bridge now. <laughs> um, so we arranged a zoom call a couple of days later and and the ball got rolling from there. And then they said, let's do another zoom call, meet the players. All the players can ask questions. Um, what is it you feel that you're not currently able to be provided with at Peterborough? So we were like, look, let's put together a big wish list. And if we get 10% of that, we're in a better place than we are now. And then in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking this, this won't happen. Then the sanctions came in, obviously with a, with Abramovich and you think, yes, yes, that's it now. It, it's not going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, I, I started getting, the emails and stuff, it's like, right, we've got funding for the team. It's all definitely going ahead. Uh, um, we need to sort of talk about when the first session can be down at Cobham. And I'm like, wow. Like <laughs> and it just went it just went from just that hopeful email out the off chance. It was like, I'll just send this one just in case. Um, so I told all the lads, I was like, it's happening, like we we're gonna all go across to Chelsea. Um what and was that, their
1: reactions? I mean, they, they must have been sort of shocked as much as you were that look at it in the difference. And the fact that, as you said, just one little email.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, everybody that, that high that we've had from sort of May, June time, when, when it was all definitely confirmed it was happening was just sheer excitement and an adrenaline rush. And it's, It's weird. You can still feel that at every session at Cobham. Every time we're together, like there's still lads pinching themselves. They're looking around. You know, the other week you sort of drive into camp, uh, and Abamian gives way to me to be able to drive in. You know, like this is surreal, and it just there's so many sort of pinch yourself moments. And yeah, obviously a lot of our squad are quite young lads, and they're just they're soaking it all in, and and. Obviously, like I said, Peterborough United were quite limited with their resources as to what they could offer us. And then now every week, it's like the coaches get in touch with us from the Chelsea Foundation. It's like, we've got this for you. We've got this planned. We've got this happening. And every time I pass that on to the lads and they're like, this was the best thing that could have happened to like." But equally, you've got other lads at other clubs now looking in on us and going they're now raising the bar of the sport as a whole um but the the, the main thing i really wanted to establish so uh, the england amputee team have a junior program so for children up to 16 um three times a year they go up to crew and they have training weekends and i said obviously there's not much in in the way of regular training down south for Children that are amputees, so we really wanted to establish a junior program of our own at Chelsea, and they now train alongside us um and that is probably my proudest thing obviously it's it's brilliant to see all the lads and obviously we're now in the league and so on, but every time you turn up and you think that's the future of like you know I've maybe got two seasons left in me if I'm lucky, but <laughs> I look at those and there's like... I mean, we've got this 11-year-old lad, Charlie. I've absolutely no doubt he's going to go on and be one of the best players in the world. Um, Wow. And, you know, it's like we're able to offer him a place to progress, a place to be around lads that are currently in the England squad, the Chelsea squad. So he's learning from players already in the sport. And we've got four or five lads between 11 and 14. And you're looking at them going... That's the sort of legacy that we can leave at the club and in the sport we're the only we're the only club to have a junior program set up um and that's the thing that makes me the proudest
1: fantastic I mean I've just funny enough, I'm just going through the website of the the league that you guys are part of, and you've got the likes of Arsenal, Brighton, man City, Newcastle, everton, Portsmouth, and West Brom. Yeah, and as you say, when you're creating something that's important to just one person, it can make yeah. a whole difference. And as you say, you know, building that program, the youth program, as you say, you know, you've been part of something, you've created something for future generations
0: to be yeah. part
1: of, and having that platform to showcase their skills and being part of a group of individuals to say, You can do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. And I think one of the other sort of things that we've had with Chelsea as well, for all the supporters groups online, um, I've obviously been advertising our Cobham sessions and we now have have a lad coming tomorrow who's currently going through chemotherapy, who's a Chelsea fan and uh, another another veteran uh, who both of them... Six months ago, didn't even know amputee football existed. One of them made his debut for us last weekend against Arsenal, and one of them's obviously coming down to sort of watch and ask questions and stuff tomorrow. And you think that's another positive, obviously, through having such a bigger outreach with Chelsea. um, You know, we've potentially changed the lives of those two lads that had no idea that the sport even existed and now they're both going to go on to sort of represent the club that they support dan one of our new lads um saw one of my posts um in the blue is the color group and messaged me and made his debut last weekend against arsenal um wow. you know and that's that's a massive sort of thing to be able to sort of say that you've managed to introduce two completely new players to the sport
1: and how has the club overall helped not just yourself as an individual and and your teammates but also your families with this journey because it, it obviously with the families it must not be a strain that's probably the wrong word i'm I'm using, but it must sort of be something for them to obviously consider because this is something that not just that you want to do but the fact that you need to do. What sort of kind of support has the club that helped with your families in terms of this new venture for yourself?
0: Um, I think in terms of the families, the the club have been really good with um, allowing us to bring friends and family along to Cobham um, so that they feel a part of it as well. So lads will often sort of message a couple of days before saying, oh, my my brother, my dad, my mum, like, they really want to come down to Cobham and watch, like can they? Um and the the club have been very accommodating with you know they making the the family involved as well so that you know you you look across sometimes and you've got proud dads sat there, proud mum sat there just in a training session. Um so that's something again that that not many not many teams have um Obviously, where where the academy and stuff use the arena where we train, there's there's seating areas and stuff like there's stands in there, so all the families sit together, and that and that's good in itself. That it's got the wives talking to each other, the mums talking to each other. So the other side of that is that they can talk to each other about stuff that's obviously away from football, because um, we probably we probably sort of get on their nerves a little bit with just how much we do talk about how excited we are to go to Cobham and stuff. So um, it's probably nice for them to have a bit of respite for them two hours. And so they can all sound off together about us. Um, but yeah, that that's a really nice feeling. And you see that in the the juniors and stuff as well, because they're obviously sort of all children. They're looking across at their parents sort of proud as anything. And I think that's just what's created a really... Really, sort of unique atmosphere. Um, in in many, like last weekend, some of the lads actually said, you know, as as a, as good as it is to have competitive football in the league, most actually prefer going to Cobham. The training sessions are that enjoyable, and the environment that's been created, and how how welcome we've been made to feel, and and all of the sort of support that the the foundation have given us most lads highlight is Cobham and not the league, not the league yeah. <laughs> which obviously we, we know that those facilities might dry up if we're doing horrendous in the league. So we know we need to balance <laughs> that out. But that's just a nice feeling that there's not many teams that probably get so excited about a training session. And it's just, I, I've sort of said now for new lads we've invited down that are maybe were well with other clubs and stuff, just just come to Cobham once. Because I know once they've been once, you'll get a message that evening going, I absolutely loved it, mate. I want to come again. And that's what we've had with three or four lads. They've gone, I really like it there. Um and that's like a that's a really good reputation that we can have in the sport, is that people want to come again.
1: You're building a positive reputation and you're building bridges basically with people that are similar to yourselves and having that opportunity to showcase what 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 they've got as a footballer in an environment that has been created in a real positive light like Chelsea. Now that that's superb. Now the league season I believe started pretty much the same time as the, the normal regular season, August, September. How has the season been for you guys so far? And what stories have you got of certain matches and other events?
0: Uh, So we had a sort of pre-season tournament uh, November time. Um, There's been a lot of changes going on in the league in terms of bringing the rules into line with the rest of Europe and so on. So uh, we had a pre-season tournament in November uh, where we went unbeaten, which was a really positive start. So our first ever three games as Chelsea, uh, I think we drew with Everton and Portsmouth and then beat Arsenal. Um, and then there was a bit of a lull because of sort of England camps and so on. Um, so the league started, it was supposed to start in January. Then we had the cold weather that got postponed. So it didn't start until last weekend. Um which probably didn't fall at the best of times for us because it was the one weekend where we were missing a few players had it started in January. We had a full squad good to go and were really confident. Um, so we had three or four new players that maybe quite aren't, weren't quite up to sort of match fitness. And there was definitely positives. I mean, we, we know it's a long season. We, uh, We lost sort of 3-1 to Everton and then 2-1 to Arsenal. Um, The Arsenal one hurt. (laughs) Um, But I think we both, we all came away from there knowing our our two two really good wide players, which a lot of our sort of positive play comes through. Uh, They're really good in them 1v1 situations. They're younger lads. So they've got, A better set of lungs than I have um so we we were missing those sort of those natural wide players um and yeah bringing in sort of three or four new lads that weren't quite up to sort of match fitness and stuff like although we sort of we came away with 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 two sort of negative results when you think over the two games we created more chances and um I think against Everton our forward had four 1v1s um But he's been out um, for a couple of years now. He developed Crohn's disease. Um, So he's just now starting to get back into it. And that's where you take optimism from last weekend is once he's match fit and he's firing again, those four chances go in and we beat Everton. Um, So we, it's quite a positive group. So we took the positives away that, don't worry about the league table for now. You know, come the summer, when it when it matters. Like, um, I I look at our best seven against any other team's best seven when we've got everybody available. And uh, our aim, our aim is definitely to try and qualify for the Champions League as early as this season. Um, so in amputee football, that's only the only the league winners will will go off. Uh, to the Champions League and that's where we want this club to be um, and and the good thing is um, when you're with sort of clubs like Peterb United they weren't in a financial position to be able to send us off to the Champions League whereas now we've got the backing of the Chelsea Foundation when that time comes we will be able to go and go and represent sort of English amputee football um
1: Superb. Fantastic. Now, I wanted to sort of highlight this and sort of provide something for people that, as you say, if they were in a similar position to yourself, this would give give you guys a platform to be part of something. So if there was an amputee that, for whatever reason, is listening to this and felt that he couldn't play football what would you say? What would Mark Smith say to that particular person if he had any doubts in his mind because of the injuries he's sustained and the the life changes that he has to now deal with? What, what would you say to them in terms of looking to play football again?
0: Um, I think the first thing I would say is come along. Um, come and watch. Come and speak to the players because everybody had a first time on crutches. Everybody had a first time of a football in front of them. Um we've got lads who lost their dominant foot. So I've not only had to adjust to playing on crutches, but I've had to adjust to playing with what would be seen as their weaker foot. And you would never ever tell the difference. Um and they're the lads I like to point out to new potential new players is you know, you see that lad over there. That's his weak foot. Um and yeah just being able to offer sort of advice and help and we've got a group like that that want to help others and um you know the the lad I spoke to that's coming along tomorrow who's sort of currently going through his own sort of cancer treatment just just come and watch ask questions um and in many ways I've, I've said to these new lads six months time You'll look at your amputation and think it's the best thing that could have happened to you. And for all of the things I've done, football is the only thing where I can genuinely look at sort of the leg that's missing and go, you know what, that was the, that, that's where all the doors opened. Um, And it's helping new amputees, old amputees, ones who might have been in low points themselves. To look at their amputation and go, do you know what, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be at Chelsea Football Club now and um, I'm confident, like I said, that once lads have, have seen it once, been in that environment once, spoke to people that have all got similar stories and backgrounds and understand where their headspace is at, they will, I think they will all look at their amputation and and, and that and go, actually that was a blessing in disguise because that's what I can say. At the time, I lost my military career and I thought, what the hell am I going to do now? And all these years later, I'm looking and do you know what? That day, as weird as it sounds, was the best day that could have happened to me. <laughs> um, so it's just about helping others see their own sort of setbacks in the same way.
1: Incredible. Yes, absolutely. And if anybody in particular, whether they're, a fellow amputee or somebody who has got an interest in amputee football and wanted to come and see you guys play what sort of um advice and support have you got for them to come along and how could they be able to do that to see you guys play football
0: uh so at the moment we've got obviously we're on the chelsea foundation uh website um But we've got the Chelsea Football Club Amputees Facebook page um, where you can sort of see uh, everybody that's involved. You can get in touch. Um, And, yeah, I think if if people are interested, even if that's just to come and spectate and sort of see what the club is doing, um, get in touch with us through the page. Obviously, we'll pass you on to the foundation and then sort of get you along to the, the first session. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of that, that sort of making contact the first time. Um, Cause I think once they've been once, but I think, I think with Cobham, you only look forward once you've been there once. So.
1: Cobham is a, a hell of a lot different to other training grounds that I've been to the most, most definitely. First time yeah. I went to Cobham, not look back. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> speaking of Cobham, something that probably the Chelsea first team should do more of and get, uh, be part of trading. We're now going to switch bases. We're probably going to have a little bit of a fun and a little bit of a rant, in, all in that order. Um, Mark, obviously you're an avid Chelsea supporter. What have, what's what been your thoughts on the current Chelsea? And this This season feels like it's been going on for... Years to be honest, um, yeah. Have you been able to go to many games home and you know, seen how the season has progressed badly? Um, but what's been yeah. your thoughts on the overall shambles that's been going on at Chelsea Football Club recently?
0: It is that, is it? I, I'm quite lucky, like, so obviously, our league league fixtures and training sessions take place on a Saturday, so. I've I've taken the boys quite a few times this season, but normally to the midweek games or the Sunday games. Um and it just feels like that's every season at some point the season gets going. And we're in February already and the season still hasn't got going. Like there's no consistency or excitement, or um, as I said to you before, we sort of came on like just I'm I'm not particularly in the sort of the, the Potter in camp, and my reasons for that are I think all the best managers we've had in the last twenty years, in my opinion, just, just the ones I've had sort of soft spots for: Mourinho, Conte, too cool, and the three things that sort of stand out with him was the passion they bring on the sidelines, right. and I think you see that in the crowd. The crowd react to it, and you see that in the squad like when the, when the team take to the pitch they reflect the manager's mannerisms and passion and and then what you'll seeing this season is a very flat timid team which in many parts is how Potter sort of comes across on the sidelines um, I personally I want to see a Thomas Tuchel running down the touchline you know after sort of Rhys James has scored against Tottenham and I want to see the sort of altercations with Conte and I don't want to see the, you know, forest away. Like it was a horrendous second half, and he's just I sat was on there. His backside. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and he's just <laughs> sat on his backside. And I think it's just flat. Um, I I just I I think all the sort of best managers that that have been there have have just had something about them, you know. Tottenham at the weekend, you want to hear a manager in the press conference where it means something and they understand what it means to the fans and
1: dare not lose situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, you know, your Lampards and everyone like that, they've all understood what the game means. And, um, I don't want to hear about how much you respect the opposition and how well organized they are. And a lot of the press conferences have been praising the opposition too much and, um, which maybe when you're brighton that's that's sort of acceptable, acceptable. Yep. yeah but i don't think for chelsea football club it's you know you don't want to be praising how well organized bottom of the league southampton are when you're at home um yeah, yeah, okay. That, <laughs> like, uh, that was a
1: hard one to take. I I didn't go. I saw I saw Peter K um on that Saturday, but thankfully <laughs> I I didn't go, but yeah, the the atmosphere and how much it turned in terms of the support and fans feedback, yeah, n- not great, but again, as you say b- big games coming up. We've got the return leg against Dortmund. Yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll I'm see. there. I'm there for I'm there for Dortmund, and I'm I'm there for Leeds next weekend. And obviously, Leeds is a there's a rivalry there, and then Dortmund is a massive game. It's just, I mean, I think the Dortmund game, for large parts, with a better side, it just it's the same old story all season. Um, every time Havertz has dropped into that number ten role, brilliant. I went to the the Dynamo Zagreb game. Um, and it was the game where Chilwell got injured. But before he did, the link up between Chilwell, Mount Havertz, everything was positive. forwards, like through balls, just it was lovely to watch. Um, but Havertz as a nine just
1: doesn't work, yeah. does it? Like for that all the money work.
0: that's been spent, it just yeah. doesn't work. I, I actually said the other day, in in my opinion, had Werner scored the Champions League goal and not Havertz, I think it'd be Werner that was still with us and not Havertz. Um I actually liked a lot of what Werner brought. But Interesting. Yeah, I, I I think I think he's missed this season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if it if it wasn't for that Champions League goal, you know, he averages what, one in four. Um yeah, I I like him as a ten, but um, he's not a
1: nine. Yeah, he's That's, not a nine. I've Uh-oh. I've been I've been saying that for a while. Then absolutely been. Um, just a couple more things in regards to the amputee uh, team, Mark, and uh, I shall let you go for this Friday uh, night. <laughs> What's the overall goal for the amputee team? So again, you know, you went from Peterborough to Chelsea. You've got this fantastic side that you're creating. You've got vast ages in terms of, you know, you've got youngsters coming through as well as experienced guys. What's the overall goal for the team in terms of football? So what's the overall ambition?
0: Um, I think in terms of this season, it's obviously for our coaches – um although they're experienced in disability football through sort of cerebral palsy visually impaired impaired football, this season in amputee football is a learning curve for them as well learning the opposition uh the 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 rule changes the physicality the pace. I think for anyone that watches amputee football you you're aware that players are on crutches and you think it might be a bit of a participation sport, but when that game kicks off, it's a load of blokes on a football pitch. That in their head they're not missing a limb and they're not on a set of crutches. It's very, very physical, very fast, at times very aggressive. Um,
1: Still get some challenges in as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I tend to pick up a few yellow cards. Um, one of them uh, let them know early on that you're there. So it's
1: old school. I like it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I, I don't really fit into this this new sort of centre back model I'm I'm very much uh yeah I'll I'll let the player know that I'm there early on um yeah. but in in terms of our team it's a learning season for our coaches we've got some new players that are going to learn a hell of a lot this season um like I said Dan last weekend making his debut against Arsenal his first sort of comment after the game was wow it's fast but you know and that's he's going to have a whole season of learning every single minute that he's on the pitch. Um, And we're going to obviously get those, those lads that are coming back into it, back up to speed. And if we can keep everybody fit, the aim amongst the squad is still very much that we can win something this season. Um, Our aim um, is to get to the champions league. We, we won the league, uh, the, the national title in 2019 um and then obviously the lockdown happened the following season, so we never got to sort of go to the Champions League and we all we all still feel like we deserved that. So you've got unfinished business club.
1: basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, but let's let's do it with a club now that are gonna give us all the back in, all the tools, all the support. Um and, you know, repay some of the the faith that's been put in us. You know, the club have gone above and beyond in in offering us everything that they have, even more so than we, we possibly could have dreamt for when we first touched base with them. Now it's on us as players to put in the effort on and off the pitch and represent this club and be at Champions Leagues every season, be winning trophies every season. Um, and I, there's there's not another group of players that I would rather sort of see taking to the pitch in a Chelsea kit than the lads that we've got so I have every faith that as the season goes on and we click and it all starts to fall into the place that it shouldn't be three or four years time and then we start challenging as a new team we can we can have a great season this season uh so for me like especially sort of being able to captain a team like nothing would give me greater pleasure than to uh be able to lift the trophy at the end of this season in a Chelsea kit.
1: Superb. That's wonderful. And Mark, just to sort of round off. Actually, before I do, I, I, actually, I, normally I do write these down. I'll have to maybe edit it out. What's your position, by the way? Is it a centre-back?
0: I'm a centre-back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have a go last weekend just for a shortage of players. Playing left midfield, and uh, <laughs> I felt every single one of my thirty-eight years. That um, was a that was a hard day. So I'm looking forward to going back to centre back in the next next round of fixtures.
1: I bet the I bet the rest did you well afterwards, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I slept well uh, that night. So. I bet <laughs> you
1: did. Uh, <laughs> final question mark? You mentioned about the amputees team ambition and what you would like to happen for, for the team but just for yourself as a footballer and as a human being what's your personal goal and what's your personal ambition going forward
0: um for me long term I'm, I'm actually going through my coaching badges at the moment and the I, I've I've got a lot of sort of satisfaction and sense of reward out of helping our our younger players, um, you know, most of the lads in our squad currently I'm old enough to be their dad. So <laughs> I've sort of taken on that sort of father figure naturally and having the juniors there even more so. And it's just more than myself. It's about helping those lads as much as I can now. And having, sort of, having them there has given me more of a taste for wanting to go into coaching long-term. So however long I'm able to play for, like I'll I'll still love every second that I'm on the pitch, but being around them and and, and being in that leadership role equally, sort of if this is my last season playing, then I'll be very excited next season about going into coaching. And that's another thing the foundation have been able to sort of offer to us as players long-term is the opportunity to stay within the club in a coaching role and, I would absolutely love to be making the journey to Cobham every day as a coach. Um, so it's, it's good. Obviously you don't, I don't sort of dread the day when I can't play anymore, because I think if, if I'm able to sort of pick up these badges in the summer, um, you know, the opportunity to work for Chelsea football club and the foundation um, as a coach long-term would be just as much of a dream.
1: Next challenge. and. Something that you can definitely sink your teeth into. Now, that's superb. One final bit. If there's anybody that would like to follow you guys, whether it's on social media or in other avenues, how would they be able to find you?
0: Yeah, so our our main sort of outlet at the moment is the Chelsea Football Club Amputees Facebook page. Um, Obviously, we're on the the Chelsea Foundation website uh, in terms of getting in touch. Um, equally, if anybody wanted to contact myself for sort of more information about getting involved, then my own sort of Facebook uh, and Instagram pages, uh, Mark Smith, amputee footballer, and then I can happily sort of answer any questions or point them in the right direction.
1: That's cool. No, that's not a problem. We will upload your details as well onto our Facebook page and on our Instagram and Twitter as well. So if there's anybody that is looking to get in touch. By any means we we'll, this is obviously what this interview is about as well we 're looking to spread the word and give you guys a spotlight that especially for your life journey you know, you absolutely deserve so mark it 's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time i 've appreciated it. I think our listeners are going to appreciate listening to your stories as well and good luck for the rest of the season i 'd hopefully like to attend one of the games if if I can. And hopefully we'll see you at the bridge before the end of the season as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, like I've really, I've enjoyed sort of following your your podcast. So it, I was very uh, sort of humbled to to receive an invite to come on there, mate. So thank you. It's been a it's been a pleasure.
1: No, Mark, pleasure's been all mine. Thank you very much. You
0: take care. And yourself, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Go, Podcast Network.